Let's get into the Bible today, and you know, today is Open House Sunday. Now, you think of Open House, and you think of what? You know, you think of buying a house, and they have those open houses typically on a Sunday, two to four. You come in, and they have cookies, and they have, uh, you get to see the house and open closets and be nosy in other people's spaces. You know what I'm talking about? Well, that's kind of what today is, and you know, we think about buying a house, and you know, most of us have this idea of, man, I want this mansion. Or I'd like this really nice little cottage somewhere or something that's fixed up nice. But when I was a kid, my mom had this idea. When we drive by something somewhere, hopefully, there it is. I was out on visitation yesterday. I thought of my mama because I, when I drove by this old ramshackled house, and this house is uh, out in Halltown, just north of Halltown on Z Highway. And as I was drove by this house, I said, man, that it reminds me of my mom. And I think about uh, our homes and our houses and, you know, Sometimes, eventually, that's what's going to happen, isn't it? You know, we love our houses. We love what they mean to us. Man, there's something special to us. And, and boy, it's a, it's a home when they get it all decorated nice. I've been in some homes where the mothers just go to town and they've got the house just decorated like uh, uh, Joanna Gaines lives there. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, where's your dust bunnies? Where, where, where's, where's the real, where, where do the real people live in this house, you know? Um, because the rest of us, we live in our house. Can I get an amen to that? All right, so, but there, then there's some houses that, uh, you know, that, that, you know, it never quite feels like home, but then there's others that just feel, you feel relaxed and comfortable. And, you know, when we talk about home, there's no place like home, as Dorothy said, but the, the greatest home we have is a home that's a, eternal in the heavens. This morning, I want to talk to you about heaven. Isn't that a fun subject? We like to talk about heaven. A few weeks ago, we heard about hell from a missionary, and so I get the fun one, Amen. And so, but we will talk about the other because the reality is that you're going to live forever. You are going to live forever. It just depends on where that's going to be. And there's no, no in between. There's heaven or hell. And so we want to learn a little bit about what God teaches about heaven because sometimes we have this fairy tale idea about heaven. I remember as a kid, we watched Tom and Jerry and I looked for a picture of it and I think I forgot to put it on the PowerPoint. But when I was a kid, I watched Tom and Jerry. Anybody else watch Tom and Jerry? They were so violent. I never understood how a mouse would give a cat so much grief. <laughs> but, you know, Tom and, and inevitably Jerry sometime would come out, come out on the uh, longhand, uh, you know, he would win these, these battles. And where would we see Jerry? Up there in the cloud, holding his harp, playing his harp, right? And we have this idea that that's what heaven's going to be like. But I want, to, I want to go to the scriptures this morning and just kind of discover about the realities of heaven and maybe do a little myth-busting together as we really understand what heaven is and who's going. I, I don't know about you, but I want to go to heaven. I hear about people say, well, I can't wait to get to hell and sit on the tailgate of my pickup truck and my buddies and drink our beer. Well, let me tell you something. That's not reality. The reality is hell is a very wicked place. It's a very vile place full of pain, and, and God doesn't want you to go there. Matter of fact, did you know God created heaven so that you'd have a place to go? And so let's talk about the realities of heaven. Look in John chapter 14, and then we're going to get into Revelation chapter 21. John chapter 14 and Revelation 21. 80% of Americans believe in heaven as a real place. Isn't that good? 80% of Americans believe. The problem is they don't all believe on how to get there. And so we want to learn not just about heaven, but how you can get there. Because we see first off that heaven is real. And then Jesus spoke about heaven. Look in John chapter 14, verse number 1. On the eve of his death, he brought great comfort to his uh, disciples. And he said these words, Let not your hearts be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Isn't that a comforting passage this morning? And we consider heaven and all the realities of it. Let us stop this morning and, and have a word of prayer together. Our Father, we are thankful for you. And thank, thank you, Lord, that you not only desired to create us, but God, that you had a desire to give us something that was beyond what we ever deserved. And this morning, I recognize, Lord, that um, heaven is a wonderful place. And I pray that every person in this room today would put their faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, that they might be saved so that they could know that they have a home in heaven. Thank you for the Word of God, for its truth. Thank you for the sweet fellowship we're enjoying this morning and on this special day. We love you in Christ's name. Amen. In John chapter 14, we see that Jesus Christ brings great comfort. And when we come to uh, the time of someone's uh, death, it is a great comfort to be able to say, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. You know, I don't care if it's a mansion or a shack. The, the great thing is, is if it's in heaven, it's a lot better than the alternative. Amen? And I consider that this morning. He says hey, that he has prepared this place for us. And anytime God does something, he doesn't do it halfway. It's not just oak trim. We're going to see in Revelation chapter 20, it's gold trim. Amen? Not just gold trim, but everything is gold. And we're going to see that in Revelation 21. So let's look there together. Because the Bible says a lot about heaven. Matter of fact, let me kind of distinguish between this because when we talk about heaven, sometimes the Bible talks about three heavens. And he talks about, Paul said that he was caught up into the third heaven. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse number 2, he says, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, and such a one caught up to the third heaven. And so what is he talking about here? Because we talk about heaven in the Bible, sometimes you'll read uh, about heaven, but they could be talking about one of three places. And so the first place that we think about, take a big breath with a heaven. That's our atmosphere where we enjoy right now. That's the first heaven. That's, that's, uh, that's the Bible talks about in Genesis chapter 1, the heavens uh, there on this earth. And then also outside of our atmosphere is the second heaven. That is where the galaxies and the universe exists. And then the third heaven is where God resides. And this is where what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And that's really what we're going to talk about today, is this third heaven, the place where God resides. Not just some arbitrary place, but a literal place. We can't see it, not with our, our naked eye, not with a Hubble telescope, but it's there nonetheless. In Revelation chapter 21, he talks about the new heaven and the new earth. In verse number 1, he says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And so it begins to talk about heaven, but let me remind you, the, the glories of heaven is found in verse number 3 of this passage, Revelation 21 and verse number 3. It says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And I, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong verse. Let me back up one verse, verse 3. And I saw, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. The greatest thing about heaven is that God is there. Yes. Far greater than anything else we've ever imagined is the presence of God in heaven. You know, think about the most wonderful thing on earth. 
uh, we were teasing one of our young men in, in uh, Sunday school today, uh, and he likes fast cars, and he likes money, and all kinds of stuff, and we're not going to talk about who it is, are we, Luke? And uh, anyways, <laughs> I'm messing with him, but you know, I, I think about this, and all those things don't hold a candle to the presence of God in heaven. There is nothing like the presence of God. Look in verse number 22 in Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21, 22. And I saw no temple there, uh, therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. In heaven, there was no need for a temple. Why? Because God's presence was everywhere. Everywhere they went, every place that they, that they stepped in, in, in heaven is, the, is literally is right there with God. God is there. I love verse 4 in Revelation chapter 21, and we can't go in depth a lot because the subject of heaven is pretty in depth, but I'm just kind of going to give you a skim coat today of the truths about heaven. Revelation 21 and verse number 4, he says, there's no more sorrow. He says, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Well, I tell you what, church, what an encouragement that is. That, uh, besides God's presence, I tell you, that is such a comfort to know that though sorrow endureth for the night, joy comes in the morning. When we get to see our Lord face to face, He's going to wipe away all the tears. He's going to wipe away all the death. He's going to wipe away all the sorrow. And we will be, uh, we, we will be reminded that those things are passed away and now forever we get to enjoy the glories of God's presence, the comfort that he brings, the encouragement that he brings, and the fact that there will be never any more goodbyes. Amen? There's an old song that says, as for a Christian, he's, uh, that it's not goodbye, it's just see you later. It, you know, I'm not going to say goodbye when and somebody I love leaves. It's just, especially when they're, if they're a Christian, it's just I'll see you later. I'll see you on the other side. And this reminder here is, is great truth that when we get to heaven, the tears that we shed may be just tears of joy. What a joyous time that will be. And so look in verse number 9 with me, Revelation 21 and verse number 9, because not just God the Father, but Jesus Christ Himself is in heaven. Isn't that encouraging? To know that when I get to heaven, I shall see Him face to face. You think about that old song, face to face with Christ my Savior. I will finally get to stand before my Lord and Savior. What a joyful thing it will be. Revelation 21, 9 says, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. Never again will we understand what it's like to be separated from our Lord. We will be forever in His presence. That will be a joyful time and a joyful day to be there with Christ. And we, the Bible then begins to describe in Revelation 21, what does heaven look like? You know, when we think about uh, thing, what is the most common thing we talk about? He says pearly gates, good. What else? Streets of gold, amen. Somebody says, Lord, just give me a piece of that asphalt in heaven, amen. I could use a piece or two of that sometimes. You know, and, but he goes on to a little detail in Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 12, and he begins to talk about what, this, what it looks like in heaven. In, in verse number 12, it says, And had a great uh, and, and had a wall great and high and had twelve gates and at the gates twelve angels names written thereon which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel 
On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And so he begins to talk about those old pearly gates, and it talks about them again in verse number 21. And so look in verse 21 with me. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold. And so he talks about the fact that there are twelve pearly gates, north, south, east, west. From all corners of the earth there will be people who come to heaven. Isn't that encouraging? It's not just Americans. It's not just uh, those in, in, uh, in England, but people from all over the world, from Africa and China and South America, all over the world, we will see people come uh, to heaven. Only those, and we're going to get to this in a second, we'll talk about residents, only those who put their faith in Christ. And so we're going to, we're going to talk about that in more in detail in just a minute. Verse number 14 begins to talk about, though, the foundation. The foundation of heaven is a beautiful thing. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 14. It says, The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And verse number 19, look there with me. Revelation 21 and verse number 19. It says, And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth a sardonyx, and the sixth sardius, the seventh a chrysolite, the eighth beryl, and the ninth a topaz, the tenth a, a, a chrysophras, and the eleventh a jacinth, and the twelfth an amethyst. And he talks about the, the foundation of heaven. Can you imagine what this looks like as you approach the gates of heaven? My mind can't fathom it. I, and, you know, I, I, if you look on the Internet, there may be some, some uh, images of what people imagine heaven to be like, but I don't think that we could ever actua- accurately portray the glories of heaven. And we think about, these are just buildings. And, uh, you know, some of the most beautiful buildings in the world, we've, we've gold-plated them. Uh, some of the most beautiful buildings in the world maybe uh, have uh, or been whitewashed or have a white uh, coating on them to make them really shine in the, in the sunlight. But let me remind you that that is nothing to be compared with the glories of heaven and the glories that God emanates from His throne. Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 18, look at this with me, because we see, we we talked about the streets of gold, but look at the golden construction in uh, in heaven. And the building of the wall of it was was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like into clear glass. Can you imagine I can't fathom a gold that pure. I can't imagine uh, what it must be like to be able to, to see this in all its purity. And in verse number 21, he goes and he talks about the foundation but, uh, uh, or the gates. And then at the end, he says, And the street of the city was pure gold as it were transparent glass. Wow. Man, I, I wear a gold ring and it's yellow because there's impurities in it. But can you imagine when we get to heaven, the glories of heaven, when we behold the gold that's pure, so pure that it's like clear glass. We see the, the, the pearl in the gates, not pearls, the pearl that makes up the, the gates. It's an incredible thing, but the most incredible thing is the glory of God. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 22 It says, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the King of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. Listen, when we get to heaven, the glorious thing is going to be to God be the glory. The glorious thing is going to be the glory of, the, of God's light shining 
for all of us to behold for all of eternity. There will be no need of a sun. There will be no need of a moon. There will be no need of the stars because Jesus Christ Himself and God the Father will shine in their uh, incredible glory. Do you remember when Moses in the Old Testament went up and he desired to see God face to face and God said, you can't see my face. But what I will do is I will pass by and I'll, I'll cover your face and you'll get to see my backside. And just the backside of God's glory caused Moses' face to, to resonate with light. Imagine this. Just from him being exposed to the backside of God's glory, the light of God's glory shone on his life for weeks. It will be an incredible, incredible place. Revelation 21 and verse 27, look there with me. It says, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth. Let me, let me time out for a second. Many people think in this idea of universalism. Anybody and any, anything and anyone can, is going to go to heaven. You know, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe in something. Well, does that mean if I believe in my uh, plastic lizard that was made in China that I'm going to get to heaven? I say that because my daughter gave me a plastic lizard made in China last night. You know, if I believe that that thing is, is going to save me, will it save me? Absolutely not. I can have faith in a lot of things, but if my faith uh, is in put in something that is insufficient, then that faith is not going to be good for anything. And so when he talks about here, he says that nothing that defiles shall enter into the presence of heaven. Let me remind you that heaven is a pure place because God is a holy God. We serve a holy God today. He's not a God that's been tainted by sin, but he's instead he's completely and totally separated from sin. And so we must realize today that I can't, I, I can't possibly get into heaven because of my own sins. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy hath he saved us. You and I, we can't get to heaven on our own. We can't possibly enter into the presence of God because of the sin that is in our life. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That seems pretty dire, doesn't it? And you know, I consider all of those truths, and there's much more about heaven and the descriptive qualities of it. And so, Brian, we're going to fast forward just a little bit. But uh, I just want you to see uh, in Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 3, it says, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. And we see in Revelation 22, 3, that the curse is from Genesis 3 is gone. And verse number 5 in Genesis, Revelation 22, there shall be no more darkness. So let's talk about the realities of heaven very briefly. I heard an old joke that uh, this rich man on his deathbed, he says he negotiated with God to allow him to bring his earthly treasures with him when he came to heaven. And so God permitted and said, all right, you can bring one suitcase. And so when he died, he had his suitcase ready to go. And well, he loaded everything that was most valuable to him. You know, we have this idea. Uh, someone sent me a picture one day of a U-Haul behind a hearse. I think they were trying to be funny. But let me tell you something, that U-Haul didn't do him any good. And this old man, as he got into, into heaven, uh, St. Peter was there with him and said, sorry, you know the rules, you can't take that in there with you. And he says, it's okay, I've got special permission from God himself. No big deal. Well, he said, well, I, I need to inspect it. So he opens up this suitcase, and inside the suitcase, there was bars and bars of gold bullion. And he said, boy, look at all of that gold. He says, we appreciate you bringing us more pavement. We were needing to, to pave that other section over there. Okay. Yeah. A tough crowd. All right, so the best part of heaven. 
that best part of heaven today. We talk about heaven, and we talk about all these wonderful things, and we think about gold, and we think about uh, the, the streets of gold, uh, gold, and maybe the pearly gates, and all those things. But the best part of heaven is, is God himself. Amen. Listen, God is the reason I want to go. There are other benefits. You know, as we get older, we say goodbye to people that we love, don't we? And those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior, when, when we say goodbye to them, we look at them and we say, Lord, I'll see them again. But you know, there's some questions that are always arisen at, at times when we think about heaven. Will we know one another? Somebody asked me this once. I believe that absolutely. Absolutely, I'll know you, you'll know me, uh, and probably we'll know each other better than we want to know. Amen? And so 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12, it says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. When we get to heaven, we'll know each other as God knows us, because all the imperfections of this life are, are, will be removed. In this life, sin causes us to cover ourselves, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. But when sin is finally lifted from us, then we can be ourselves with no shame, no pain, no embarrassment, no covering up. In heaven, we will know every person in heaven, and all of them will be friends and loved ones to us. Won't that be a glorious thing? Man, we think about our husband-wife relationships. They won't be the same, will they? You know, but as a matter of fact, it will be better. It won't be a physical relationship like we enjoy now, but it will be so much higher and so much better. Someone asked, how old will we be? I have no idea. Amen? I got some, maybe I've got some theologians in here that can, can correct me, but let me just tell you, I have no idea. The Bible doesn't say. This is what I believe, though, that we're going we're gonna to know each other who we are. And it won't matter how old you look. You may look 96. Amen? Some people believe that you'll be 33 because that was the age Christ was when he died. And some of the older folks say... Amen. <laughs> Come on, Pastor. Amen. That'll preach right there, 33. That's a good age. Some, some people think that you'll be you, the age you are when you die, but listen, it's irrelevant. Because when we get old, let me tell you, uh, the, the decaying effects of sin, uh, of our life and of our body, are the effect of sin. Sin will no longer be present in heaven. You know, you're, you're, we're not going to have those old wrinkles. Amen. There won't be any of those old aches and pains, no more sorrow, no more pain, amen? That's what Revelation 21 reminds us of. And so uh, maybe, maybe you've experienced some loss in your life. You want to know, well, I recognize them. Absolutely, we, know, we will know them and be known. Sometimes uh, when we lose a child or an infant, will I, will I recognize my baby? How old will my baby be? I'm not exactly sure, but this is what I know. You'll know them, and they'll know you. We can take great comfort in knowing that God is there in heaven and He's not going to leave us in an enigma. Here's another question that always gets me. What are we going to do in heaven? Anybody else want to know what, what heaven's going to be like? What are you going to do? Because we have this idea, like, like Jerry on that, on that cloud, we're just going to play that pretty harp. Anybody else think, that, think of that as a, as a kid? You know, I'm reminded of a couple of scriptures. Let's look first at Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13. Revelation 14, 13, it says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Now, if you were to look at the Greek, you hear you find that the word, word labor means grief or sorrows. 
it confirms Revelation 21.4 that there will be no more sorrow in heaven. The sorrows of this world will be cast away and we will truly enjoy the rest that God promised us in Christ. And so look at Matthew 11 verses 28 and through 30. It says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon, me, uh, upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, when, uh, when Jesus invites you to come to him, he says, you will find rest for your soul. And then when we go to eternity and be with God in eternity, we will experience this rest like he's talking about here in its fullness. This doesn't mean that uh, our difficult, uh, you know, that everything is going to be without, without activity. But what it does re- reveal to us is it will serve a higher purpose. We're going to be serving the king. There will be no idleness in heaven. There will be rest, but rest and idleness are not the same. Amen? We are going to rest, but actually, what is uh, that that disturbs us and wearies us most today? It's our frustrations. It's our irritations. And all those will be gone. Hollywood has taught us many myths. But let me tell you, the greatest myth that's been taught is that anybody can go to heaven. Today, I'm going to share with you really briefly about the residents. We already discussed that God is here, and so I'm going to review through these texts with you real quick. So if you're taking notes, make note of the reference here. Psalm chapter 33 and verse number 13, it says, The Lord looketh, no, the Lord looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of men. Psalm chapter 73 and verse 25 says, Whom have I in heaven but thee, and there is none upon earth that I desire besides thee. Isaiah 66 and verse number 1 says, Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Job chapter 22 and verse 12, Is not God in the heights of heaven? And behold the height of the stars, how high they are. Listen, God is in heaven, but Christ is in heaven as well. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 11 it says, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye up, uh, gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken from you into heaven, shall, show, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Acts chapter 7, verses 55 and 56, he says, But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Listen, Jesus Christ is there today. The greatest incentive for me to want to go to heaven is that God and His Son, Jesus Christ, are right there together. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's a heavenly host in heaven. We think about angels, but also those that are gone before Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 6, it says, Thou, even thou, art Lord alone, thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth, and all things that are therein, the seas, and all that therein, therein, excuse me, and all that is therein, and thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worshipeth thee. The great host that's there is made up of angels. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 11 reminds us, I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. And the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands. And finally, believers. Revelation 19, 6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude. And as the voice of many waters, and, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Listen, to this morning, the greatest thing you can do is know that you're on your way to heaven. 
You want to be part of that heavenly host that they're talking about in Revelation. You want to be part of those that are, know that they know that they know that they're on their way to heaven. And there is no assurance, the Bible says in Acts 4.12, that there is not salvation in any other besides Jesus Christ today. And so let me remind you that Buddha will not save you. Muhammad will not save you. All these other false religions will not save you. Listen, your good works will not save you. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter what kind of good things you've done. All those things are irrelevant because when we stand before God, we're not going to be compared to somebody else. We're going to be compared to the perfections of God. And let me tell you, the Bible says that we'll fall far short. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. So let me just encourage you this morning, Luke chapter 10 and verse number 20, I skipped one, Brian, says, Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Let me ask you this today, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Is your name written in that place that has no eraser? Is your name written where uh, forever you will know that you have eternity sealed and secured? Because uh, only what God has done through us can we know that we have a home there. I don't know everybody's heart in here. God knows. God knows whether you're saved or lost. God knows whether you put your faith in Him or not. And let me remind you that when you, uh, when you were born, you were destined to live forever. You just got to, you, but you have to know where. The Bible says there is no, there's, the Bible never teaches about purgatory. I, I think sometimes that we invented this idea of purgatory uh, to be, so that the, the Catholic Church could be able to uh, make money off of it because people try to buy their loved ones into heaven. Listen, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that there is a heaven and there is a hell, both literal places today. Heaven is high and hell is hot. And let me remind you that you do not want to go to hell. You do want to go to heaven. Heaven is a glorious place full of God, full of the Son and the Holy Spirit. We see the angels. We see born-again believers will enter into heaven. And tonight, as, uh, or this morning, as we come to a conclusion, let me just remind you that God desires for you to enter into heaven to be with Him for eternity. And God's made it possible for you to be there. Do you know what God did for you? Was He said that for God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. What's He talking about? Perish, He's talking about going to hell. He said, should not go to hell, if you will, but have everlasting life, and that's in heaven today. You see, God desires for you to be in heaven. Second Peter chapter 3, and verse number 9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of repentance. And God wants for you to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's a bunch of Christians in here this morning, and so sometimes we, we get intimidated with other believers, and we think, man, these believers are kind of weird or cockeyed or kind of uh, out there, but let me tell you, these people in here love you, and they want you to be in heaven with them. And they want you to be able to enjoy the glories of heaven forever, but it's not going to be guaranteed unless you put your faith in Christ today. I've already shared with you Titus 3, 5, but the Bible says, not, of, not by works of righteousness which we have done. And, and let me just remind you, too many times we try to put our faith in our baptism, we put our faith in our church membership, we put our faith in, in uh, just our good works, but God says none of those will, are good enough. They fall short. But you know what God did instead? He wanted so badly for you, you to go to heaven. He was not satisfied that you would spend an eternity in hell. And so what He did was He gave us Jesus Christ. 
And Jesus Christ came to this earth, He died on the cross, and He rose again to prove He had the victory over sin and death. Because the Bible says, for the wages of sin is what, church? Is death. That's right. You see, because of what I've earned as a result of my sin, and let me tell you, I'm a sinner. Just like Paul said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. And because of what I've done in my own life, I deserve hell. And so do you. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that. But we're all sinners in this room. But because of what I've done, I could never earn my way there. I'd have to pay for it. But Jesus Christ has done it for you. Jesus Christ, He came to this earth, lived perfectly, and died on the cross. And let me tell you, He did that so that He could pay for your sin today. I couldn't do it for you. No one else in this room could do it for you. Only Jesus Christ. And so let me ask you, do you want to go to heaven? I would dare say that most of us in here would say, absolutely, Pastor, I want to go to heaven. I, I, I want to go to heaven. I want to be with my loved ones that have gone on before. I want, I want uh, not just me to go to heaven. I want my family to go to heaven. There's nothing greater than the glories of heaven because Jesus Christ resides there. And so I invite you this morning, come enjoy the benefits of heaven. That comes when you simply by faith come to this altar and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I can't get to heaven on my own. And today, you know, I know we're in that mindset. We're zipping up Bibles, but just stay with me just for a minute. Today, maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. If I could ever beg you enough, I would do it. If I could ever plead with you enough, I would beg you to come and receive Jesus as your Savior. Because once you do, there's nothing greater. And we'll talk this afternoon about the assurance that that, that that brings. But right now, let me just invite you, please come. Please come and be saved today.